This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And I'm excited to get into the Word today. We are in the middle of a series, um, The Baptist and the Holy Spirit, You Shall Receive Power. But uh, being that it's Mother's Day, we're going to talk about something here that's really, uh, I just feel in my heart for the moms out there, uh, for everybody, but um, for moms in particular, being that it's Mother's Day. And yes, the, the, this message has the elements in it concerning really just walking in the Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, walking with God. And of course, that is fruit of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all that. But, but we're not going to really go into the, the, really the doctrine and theology surrounding the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue that next week. But today, this is what I want to talk about and just to encourage everybody out there, but even specifically the moms out there. Um, we're going to talk today about um, walking with Jesus. So I'm going to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Okay. And so we're going to look at a story in John chapter 11. We're going to start in John chapter 11, verse 1, and just look at how these two women navigated a sad and a tragic situation with the Lord. And this this story of Mary and Martha concerning their brother Lazarus's death and just how they walked with Jesus through this, okay? And it's, it's just, there's some really powerful principles in here. So we are literally just going to hang out today. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And um, I pray that this challenges you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus today, okay? So, Father, we thank you for this word. And we just thank you for all the moms out there. We just pray uh, your continued blessing and grace and favor on all the mamas today. Uh, Lord, I pray that more than anything that you would speak to them today, encourage them today, whether they are even beyond the point of not only being a mother, but maybe a grandparent to maybe there's mothers out there that are literally pregnant for the first time right now in this moment. So we just bless every mother in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. All right, and so here we go. John chapter 11, starting in verse one. Like I said before, I'm gonna talk about, um, and I'm gonna encourage you to walk with Jesus, okay? John 11, one. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. All right, so we're just gonna kind of walk through this, but, but with respect to walking with Jesus and being a true worshiper of Jesus, like this is that Mary, I mean, she literally, um, you know, poured out expensive, fragrant oil at the feet of Jesus. She was extravagant with her worship. She was extravagant with her praise. It literally cost her something, 
okay? It, it cost her something. And others looked on and said, man, that's wasteful, okay? And so um, this is Mary here, a woman of God. And then obviously it's the same Mary and Martha, all right, where Martha was busy serving, Mary was busy sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's like, what's up with Mary? She ain't doing nothing, right? And, and, and Jesus is like, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things, right? And so, but what she's doing is not gonna be taken from her. Okay, so you kind of got the whole um, worshiper servant tension. These sisters, one's like a doer, um, quote unquote, you know, if we could say like hard worker, the other one's like, I'm gonna worship Jesus. I'm gonna spend time with him. You know what I'm saying? And so you, you know, so you got these two sisters, these two women that both love Jesus and this Jesus loves them, right? And they, they have a relationship with him. There's intimacy here. There's a true relationship with him. Uh, presumably the, these women um, were at the cross, at the tomb, and presumably very well could be part of the 120 in the upper room, just based on their closeness to Jesus and just how it says how there were other women it names um, uh, Mary Magdalene, other Mary. Uh, you know, there's there's a few different Marys in the Bible, but but um, we're presuming, you know, to some degree. You know, I, I think my point here is that these women had a strong relationship with Jesus. They were walking with Jesus, all right. And so you see it here. I mean, I mean, she just she spent everything on him. She 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 showed. Um, we're talking Mary now because it's 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 communicating um, that this is the very Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. So we're talking extravagant. We're talking, hey, Jesus, you have my all, everything. Nothing is more valuable than you in my life, okay? So these are like legit followers of Christ, okay? And, but, you know, but because you are a worshiper like Mary, right? Because you love God, because you're surrendering to God, because you value him more than anything else in life, that does not mean that tragic things won't happen in your life. I mean, we see that here, like just because um, you love God and you're pursuing God and you're, 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 you're in pursuit of him and you're a follower of Jesus, you know, your relationship with Jesus does not eradicate trial. You're having a relationship with God, having God in your life doesn't mean that tragedy won't happen. It doesn't mean that. It, I mean, it doesn't mean that sad things won't happen. So their brother is sick. And they love God and they're walking with God, but their brother is sick for whatever reason. Um, and so um, here's my, here's, here's the point here that I want to put on the screen here, but um, go to Jesus in the trial. Okay. Go to Jesus in the trial. Cause verse three says, therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So they didn't run from God in the trial. They didn't, they didn't dip out of, community with God, communion with God or community with his people because of the trial, they actually ran to him in it, in it, right in it. They're like, man, I'm gonna go to Jesus with this. And I think where we miss it most in walking with Jesus, let me encourage the moms here today, that, you know, it's when things happen, we don't go to Jesus. But I think we can learn from these women here in the scripture, Mary and Martha, that they ran to Jesus when it was bad. Times were bad, times were tough. And they ran to Jesus. The sisters sent him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And so the enemy, we know this, the devil will use a trial to get us to run from God. The devil will use a trial, tribulation, tragedy, 
bad things happening. He, the devil, the devil's intention is to use that to get us away from God. The devil's intention is to use that to get us out of community with God's people. All right. But God will use the trial in hopes that you actually run to him. God's heart is that when we are baptized in fire, as the scripture says, because we, we read this last week, that he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire is trial, folks. Fire, fire is trouble. Fire is purifying. Fire doesn't feel good. Fire is uncomfortable. Fire is, and it says baptized. That means submerged in trial. Okay, so here it is. They're, they're baptized in fire, if you will. And yet in and through it, they are running to Jesus. And God desires, his intention for trial is that we will run to him. Okay, so, so you know, we, we must, if we're gonna walk with Jesus, we need to learn as believers to continue to walk with him even when it's painful, even in the pain, even in the pain, we must learn to walk with Jesus, all right? And so they sent for him, okay? So verse four, let's go, let's jump forward to, to verse four here. Um, John 11, verse four. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, okay? But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Okay, this is what Jesus said. Okay, this is the word of the Lord, literally. This is the words of Jesus. He is not a man that he should lie, meaning in his divine nature, right? He was walking as a man, but right here, I mean, this is the word of the Lord. This sickness is not unto death. At the beginning of this, Jesus himself spoke, and what he said is going to come to pass. All right. And so, so through this process, so Bible goes on to say here after verse four, you know, that specifically like Jesus loved Mary, Martha and their brother Lazarus. Okay. And so as a result of that, the Bible says he literally stayed where he was two more days. Okay. And then he says to his disciples after two days, Hey guys, let's, let's head on over to Judea. And his disciples were like, hold on. Are you sure you want to go there? We might want to stay out of Judea where Bethany was because the Jews want to stone you. And so this is hostile territory. And he's like, are you sure you want to go? Like, I, I don't know. I know you love this family. You love these people, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. You love them. You want to be there for them. But Jesus, remember, this is hostile territory. And if we go there, the Jews may very well stone you or kill you. But that's Jesus, isn't it? That he, he's going to, you know, as he's walking the earth, he loves people. He's not going to allow a hostile environment to get him out of doing what God has called him to do. And so that, that, that's Jesus for you, right? He is going to step right into this because he loves them, right? So it goes on to say, let's go to John 11, verse 11. Let's go to verse 11 now. So these things he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. All right, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Um, and so I wanted to give you this point, and, and I love this, just Jesus' perspective on a very tragic situation. 
And the point is, is that he is dead, okay? Um, that's where it got. He was sick initially, but he did die, okay? And they did have to bury him. And he waited two days. So he was sick two days ago. But now, you know, he's dead, okay? And, and then they travel over there. And actually, the scripture goes on as we read on further. It says that he was in the tomb for four days already. So man, um, and that's why they're like, man, don't roll that stone away, man. It's going to stink, right? And so they, they wanted him there right away. Mary and Martha wanted him there right, right away. And Jesus like, look, our, our friend Lazarus, guys, he's talking to his disciples. He's like, man, our man Lazarus, right? He's sleeping, but we got to go wake him up. You know, he's taking a little nap. And so my next point is this, is in, in walking with God, we, we must understand this. This is God. And I want to encourage the moms with this as well. And, and all the ladies today with this, I believe there's something to this. But that here it is, God is an eternal optimist. And I know I'm not trying to dumb down the divine nature with a personality trait of optimism versus pessimism. I'm not trying to, I, I, it's just the word I came up with when looking at this, just to maybe describe Jesus' perspective, is a man is dead. And from God's perspective, he's only sleeping. And so, um, you know what? Because we're walking with Jesus, nothing is as bad as it seems. And this is a bad situation. Like, this is sad. This is, this is tragic. This is heartbreaking. This is real. But from Jesus' perspective, hey, our friend Lazarus, man, he's just, in a, in a sense, in, in a sense, he's like, man, he's just taking a little nap. So Jesus' perspective was different than everybody else's. And so I really see that. I really believe moms in nature are just hopeful, you know, especially for their children. There's something that God created in a mom that God desires for them to be that faith-filled, hopeful one in the home. Like there is something about a mom that is hopeful, even when their children maybe not are doing what maybe their, their, their moms believe is all that's within them or their full potential or, you know what I mean? But moms are just that. I, I really believe that, that moms truly are designed by God to be the hopeful one even at the worst of situations. There's something about a woman of faith, a mother of faith that has with it this depth of vision and hope. And even if I could use that word, I hope you don't mind, but even this optimism of what God will do, all right? And so even, even in our own family here, my wife's, mom. I call her mom as well. She is a, a, a very strong spiritual woman, very prophetic. Here's the voice of God. Um, you know, she's a woman of God. Okay. And so even my wife would share with me, even Crystal Gale growing up, that if something goes bad, there's, there's, a, there's, there, 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 there's something going on, something negative happening, a trial situation stuff. My, my, my wife will, has always said, even through her experience with her relationship with her mother, even through childhood, up into her adult years, is her mom 
is we'll always, no matter what the situation is, lean towards, um, we need to pray about this. We need to, we need to seek God for this. Um, we need to see what God's saying. Uh, we need to, we need to, and, and sometimes even these things you, we could look at and say, oh, that, they're, they're sick because, you know, kids have germs and da 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 da, da. Or, you know, and it's kind of like we, sometimes we, we move towards a more practical thing. And that, of course, not that she throws that out entirely, uh, but um, there's something about a, a woman of faith that, that leans toward God even in a situation initially from the jump like putting their faith out there. Well, this is where we are. Well, God called us and he's faithful. And um, I want to encourage the mothers out there to be that for your children. Be that for those in your world, woman of God. Be that voice of eternal optimism. And this is why. Because when we are walking with Jesus, I'm going to say it again. When we're walking with Jesus, nothing is as bad as it seems. Okay, I'm not saying it's not bad. I'm not saying it's not um, heartbreaking. I'm not saying it's um, it's it's not a real heartbreaking situation. But from God's eternal perspective, there is always hope. Always hope. Jesus was like, "Hey, this man, he's dead, folks." He's probably being buried at this point, if not already in the tomb. Jesus says, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. All right? So to God, raising the dead is like getting somebody up from a nap. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, you know what? It's a little bit harder for me to get woken out of sleep. I'm a heavy sleeper. <laughs> right? My wife is a very light sleeper. I can just kind of roll out of bed and she'll like wake up. And she has to elbow me, kick me. You know, I mean, all kind of stuff just to get me to wake up. But, um, but anyway, um, his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. Okay, and we see in this story that God sees things differently than us. All right, so we need to seek him so we can see as he sees. Okay, and, and, and the disciples are like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, you know, uh, if he's asleep, you know what I mean? He'll get, if he's sick, if he's asleep, he'll get well. If he's, you know, and, and then Jesus is like, no, no, he's dead. Okay, he's dead. Um, but Jesus um, always sees things differently than we do. So let's move on here. John chapter 11, verse 17. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Verse 18, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women uh, around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, this is verse 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But... Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Um, walk with Jesus, okay? So now he is dead. He's in the tomb. It's over. In this, you know, from, from, uh, from just looking at the situation, it is over, right? It is over. And so Martha didn't lose all faith in Jesus, but she was still unaware 
of what God was actually doing, okay? So she didn't lose all faith, but she was still unaware. She, she, wasn't, she wasn't like, okay, God, you aren't there for me. I'm gonna leave you. She did say, if you were here, he would not be dead. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she's like, it's, he's dead, but I'm still believing you, God, okay? And so this speaks of a woman of God that has, even though things didn't work out the way she thought, they didn't work out the way, I mean, they went to Jesus thinking he would be there right then, and he wasn't. He waited two days. And so think about this. Even though she had unanswered questions, even though it did not happen the way she thought God was going to do it, okay? Um, This is a woman of faith. This is a woman of internal fortitude. This is a woman of of divine character. Like she, she's got the, the the fruit of the spirit, man. She she's got some character. She's got some she she's got some spiritual strength. She's she's got a little something to be like, okay, he's dead, but okay, my faith is still intact. So what is the point here? Don't allow unanswered questions to define the all of your faith. Don't allow a tragedy to change your faith, okay? So faith, faith in, in its essence, you know, it, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so in this woman of God here was truly walking with Jesus in and through this. And, and, and so faith always moves forward in mystery. Faith always moves forward when we don't understand or see exactly what God is doing. John eleven twenty three. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Her faith is intact, but she's still relatively clueless in the sense that, and I don't say that negative, I just mean she's not aware. Okay, and there are going to be times in our in our walk with God that God is God is saying to us, you know, as we're walking with Him, you're not going to understand everything God's doing. You're not going to see it all in the moment. But what is under our control that we will not lose faith in God? That we will not let we will not be shipwrecked in our faith because everything around us is falling apart in a moment. Okay, I might not understand, but me not understanding everything doesn't mean I throw my faith out. Somebody say amen. Okay, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Okay, Jesus is like, this is who I am. Okay, verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord. Faith intact talking to Jesus, calling him Lord. Look at this. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is to come into the world. Um, In her walk with Jesus, I mean, this is a absolute um, statement of her faith. She says it all here. Like this woman knows who Jesus is. She has a revelation of Christ. This language is much, almost exactly like what Peter said. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
And Jesus told Peter, the apostle Peter, you know, and on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father. So she has a revelation of Jesus. The father has revealed to her, to Martha, who Jesus is. And her theology is impeccable. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Messiah, the one spoken of through the law and the prophets. You are him. You are here now. You are the savior of the world. You are the, the son, capital S, the son of God. This is messianic language. She's acknowledging him that he is God, that he is Lord, the Christ. I mean, she's just, just bam, right? Like just laid it out who is to come into the world. I mean, that is a revelation, acknowledging for who he is. She is impeccable in her revelation of Christ. Her view of him is not skewed. It is accurate, okay? And so her theology is impeccable, which means this is right belief. Her belief is right. Her belief is accurate. Okay, she's not like, who are you? You're a prophet. No, you are Lord, the Christ, son of the living God, who's to come into the world. Okay, she said it all. Okay, and so this is, this is so important because when you see Christ for who he is, when he is revealed to you like this, as this, absolutely God, 100%. He is the one, right? Um, everything follows that. So based on this, we can determine that her worship was right. Her sister was a worshiper. Am I right? She's the one. Her sister wept at his feet. So we see here that Martha is a worshiper, an acknowledger of Jesus as to who he really is, okay? And so her view of Christ is right. And so therefore her worship is right, okay? So meaning, you know, if we don't acknowledge Jesus for who he really is, that he is God, the Christ, the Messiah, Savior, Master, King, Lord, beginning and end, Alpha and Omega, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the Lord, all of who Jesus is, when we don't see him, when he is yet, not revealed to us, and we have not acknowledged him for who he is, our worship is wrong. So our acknowledgement for God, when our view of God is accurate, our worship is acceptable. Can I get an amen, somebody? If we don't acknowledge him as God, our view of him is inaccurate. And really, I know this is some hard language here, but hear me out. But when, when our view of Christ is not that he is God and Lord, our worship is inaccurate. Whatever form of worship it is, okay? The, the differentiating factor of what a Christian is is the acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord, okay? When he is not Lord, when we do not, when our, when our theology is wrong, our worship is inadequate, okay? It doesn't matter what kind of worship, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter church or what, you know, like none of that, 
we must have a revelation of Christ. Martha had an, her theology was impeccable. So right belief produces right worship. Okay, so Martha's view of Jesus was absolutely on point. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. She's in the middle. Her brother just died four days in the tomb. Jesus is quote unquote late from her perspective. And yet she acknowledges him. She's still a worshiper. In the middle of this, Lord Christ, hallelujah, Messiah. My goodness, beautiful. You are the son of God. Hallelujah. Let me take this a step further, folks. Let me take this a step further. All right? Let me take this a step further. So although her theology was on point, it, her belief in theology being on point is not the absolute defining factor of her spiritual maturity. All right? Meaning... Although her view of Christ was on point, she still had to go through a process and learn to walk with him. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right. So let me just read some of this from my notes. Just because her theology is correct doesn't mean she's not going to have to be stretched through a situation, circumstance, trial, or tribulation. Okay. Actually, I believe accurate view of God or worship is actually what positions us for God to take us through trial. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? All right. So if you think about this, if you look at the narrative here, um, she was still unaware of exactly what God was doing, even though she acknowledged him for who he was. All right. So, so what's important here for us to walk through a trial, to walk with Jesus through trouble, to walk with Jesus through circumstance, situation, process, or whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is we have to walk through in this life. It is very important that we remain true worshipers of Jesus when we do not understand what is happening. We do not quite understand the outcome. We do not see it all, but we see him. Okay, so she didn't know by the Spirit what God was doing. She, 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 had, she was just walking through it. Okay, and so there's going to be times in our life when we walk with God where this is going to be the journey. This is going to be the process. We, will we acknowledge Him as Lord and work, be a worshiper and keep our faith intact in Him even though we don't really know what He is doing? We don't see it. We, we, we're going to, as, as Martha and Mary were, we are going to learn as we go, right? And so... Knowing what you believe is one thing, but walking with God and experiencing a true life of faith with him is another. Can I say that one more time? Knowing what you believe is one thing, but walking with God and experiencing a true life of faith is another. Both are requisite for us to develop and grow spiritually. We must know who he is, acknowledge him for who he is and be willing to walk through the troubles of life with him. Somebody say amen. Okay, so here it is. You know, what we know to be true about Jesus 
will be tested in real life. What we receive from the word of God, the revelation we receive of who Christ is will be tested. These ladies were tested. They were lovers of God, worshipers of God. They acknowledged Jesus for who he is. They knew their doctrine, their theology. They understood who he was. They had a revelation of him, but they still had to walk with them through a trouble, a tragedy in this life with him. Can I just share something from my heart here with respect to not only make that our, we have right belief that our theology's accurate. And what I mean by theology, I know it's kind of a very broad term, very much of a religious term, but I just mean recognition and revelation of who God is for who he is, okay? And we see that here in John 11, when she acknowledged him and just broke down who he was. I mean, that, that was potent what she said. Like that was powerful, okay? And so, um, amen, we, we, we need to know that. But there's also this life, we live the, through life with God, there's this kind of outflow of that, that um, we must not only know what we believe, but live what we believe. Somebody say amen. So it's like no one's one thing, living is another. And God's intention is that we do know, but that we also live. We do acknowledge, but we also have a lifestyle that exudes the quality of the faith we know, of the God that we know, okay? And so uh, one thing that is a, is a concern of my heart as a pastor, okay? And I don't know if this concern will ever leave me, uh, but it, it's a concern that, that People have right belief, but a sinful lifestyle. That at the end of the day, they'll be like, Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is God. But their lifestyle does not line up with what they say. And God, just as her view of God was accurate, that she started to go through a refining process and live a life of faith, in a very tough situation that was potentially that situation could have thwarted or shipwrecked her faith. But these women, so I'm preaching to the moms today, Martha and Mary, these, these women of God, the kind of focal point, obviously the focal point of every story is, is Christ, but as far as the humans involved, <laughs> Mary and Martha are the focus of this, like they're, they're, their whole process. The story's about them and their process, their relationship with Jesus in and through a trial. And so um, there are people that believe right, but they live wrong. And, and I, I think I heard one preacher say the greatest heresy out there is Christians that believe right, but live wrong. That's the greatest deception of all because people see that. They see what you say, and, but they see how you live. And they're like, I don't want to say that and live that. Come on now, somebody. We all, we all, in comparison to Christ, are imperfect. And none of us are the perfect example of Christ, of course. But the Bible talks about that we as believers, because of his nature in us, we can bear fruit. That people can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. That 
that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of heaven. We are representatives of the kingdom of heaven, not for any other reason other than his nature in us. I'm telling you right now, success is not, worldly success is not the defining factor of, of, of Christ's representation. Okay, if it, God can do that and people can see and say, wow, God has really blessed them or, you know what I'm saying? But success is not the defining factor of, of a life for God. I mean, you know, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to succeed, but worldly success, I mean, that's why the scriptures say in Psalms, like, why do the wicked prosper, right? So, so they can, anybody can succeed in a sense, right? So that's not the, the true definition of Christ's representation. It is his nature. It is, it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It is the fruit of the spirit that we're after here. Okay, so, so to stand for God theologically and yet deny him in our lifestyle does the kingdom of God a disservice. Can I get a name, moon, somebody? So our life must exude the dignity of his person and the quality of his nature, okay? Our life, right belief should mean and lead to right living. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Here we go, John eleven twenty-eight. 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. So interesting, these, these women, right? Mary and Martha, so different. Sisters, walking with Jesus, going through a trial together, right? They, they both love God. They, they both are, are, and the Bible says Jesus loved them. And, and there's a relate, there's relationship here. There's, you know what I mean? This is beautiful, right? But they're both different, right? Like, so um, Martha's the one in prior story, here and in, in the Gospels where, uh, you know, Martha's the one serving, and Mary's the one sitting at his feet. And so it's kind of like the same thing. Like, you know, Martha was the first to go to Jesus and tell him, uh, you know, to, 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 to go talk to him. And then, and then Martha, you know, the doer, you know, the servant, the one, you know what I mean? Just, you know, kicking up dust, man. She's, she's on the go. Mary's like chilling, right? There's just different people, different personalities, different, just different. And um, so once again, Martha's like, hey, the teacher's calling you. And so as soon, this is now I'm talking about Mary, as soon as she, the speaking of Mary, heard that, she arose and quickly came to him. So here's my next point in walking with God. And can I encourage the moms here today and everybody, but when God calls, move. When, when God calls, move. All right, instant obedience is the fruit of an intimate, intimate relationship with Jesus. This woman was intimate with Jesus. And so um, when we have instant obedience in our life, when God says, calls, we move, whatever it is, um, it speaks of trust, it speaks of faith, it speaks of desire, it speaks of closeness. Okay, so there, 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 there's more to this than just this moment. Like there's, there's history here. She, when God, when Jesus called, she moved. She moved. And so... Um, we cannot underestimate the power of instant obedience. Um, instant obedience. When he calls, when he moves, when he speaks, go, do, do it, move. 
There's something there, okay? Um, John 11, verse 32. Verse 32, when, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, okay? Um, you know, and so once again, they both, Mary and Martha both said the same thing, like if you were here, if you were here, if you weren't here, you're late. And um, God, Jesus didn't rebuke them. Jesus didn't reject them. Jesus, I mean, obviously he empathized because it says he wept. He groaned and he wept. And so God's not afraid of your if prayers. If you would have, come on, fill in the blank, this wouldn't have happened. Fill in the blank. Lord, if you would have, um, God's not afraid of your if prayers, okay? God's not afraid of the real moments, the, the desperation, the questions. God's not afraid of your questions. God's not afraid of your hard questions, all right? All right, so, so Martha's like, okay, four days, it's gonna be smelly if you roll away that stone. So let's close out, let's close this out. John 11, verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. We're gonna read all the way to verse 44. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand with, and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. So this is my last point. It's kind of like a long statement here. Um, I normally have like little short points, but here we go. Um, and speaking of walking with Jesus, um, God wants to walk with you through trials into a miracle. I really believe with all my heart that when we walk with Jesus, there is always gonna be a miracle. Always. There's always something he's gonna do, okay? I mean, think about it. Count it all joy when you face various trials, knowing the trying of your faith produces patience, that patience have its perfect work, that you might be perfect in entire lack of nothing. There's always something God does. He wants to walk with us through trials into a miracle. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.